Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Our old buddy, Jeremy Fowler... Ex, ex of Pittsburgh, yep. now big national guy, the senior NFL reporter yep. for ESPN, came up with his annual series of top tens at each position, and we are working through that uh, in the at the moment right now. He just released tight ends today, going to get to the offense now after he has completed the defensive side of the ball, so you look forward to running backs, tackles, guards and centers, quarterbacks and wide receivers in mm-hmm. the days to come, but... With the defensive side of the ball complete and a little bit of the offense with tight ends as well, we thought we'd let you know where each Steeler that is on one of these top ten lists checks in for Jeremy Fowler. And let's start at the very tippy top. Let's start at the guy who Jeremy has number one in his position group. Wasn't there the past year. Kind of fell off off. from that top, but now he's back. Back, Minka Fitzpatrick, Mm. according to Jeremy Fowler, the number one safety in the NFL, um, his lowest ranking in his career was five. Highest ranking has been one before. I think in this ranking. Last year's ranking, he was number two. So, Ooh. slight drop last year, but he's right back at the top. I think that Another all-pro season. I think that lowest ranking is just the lowest ranking given by someone to him this season. Oh, okay. So, someone put him at five? Yeah. Well, that someone needs to be <laughs> walk off, take a long walk right. off a short pier. Had a pick six in his first game of the season last year off of the second-best quarterback. Pretty much consensusly in the NFL, Joey Burrow, in Joey Burrow's not, backyard. Not only the second best quarterback, but on the second play from scrimmage. Second play from scrimmage after another player on one of these top ten lists for Jeremy Fowler sacked Joe Burrow mm-hmm. in the first play of the game. So Minka's impact is clearly deserving to being named one of the top safeties in the NFL. Uh, Runner-up to him was Derwin James, and then Justin Simmons from the Broncos was number three. Buda Baker, number four for the Arizona Cardinals, and then Javon Holland of Miami rounded out the top five there for Jeremy Fowler. Um, you know, even though Derwin James and Justin Simmons and, and Buda Baker, despite being disgruntled in Arizona, are elite all-pro caliber safeties, I feel like there's kind of a gap forming between Minka and the rest. I mean, Derwin James has all the skill in the world. Right. But last year was like really the first year he's been able to stay completely Mm -hmm. healthy. And and you wonder if that's going to, you know, be a problem moving forward. Was last year the outlier or has he finally, you know, found himself a little bit more durability later? That usually doesn't happen. You usually don't go from being injury prone to then being the most durable guy ever. So far, it's the outlier because every year of his career, he's been riddled with injuries. Some years he's playing not every game, some year. Some years he's missed an entire season or or at least a good chunk of a season. This year was really refreshing, though, just because if you're talking about young talent, you want you want to see young players succeed, right? And you want to see talented players continue to play at that elite level. And Derwin James is certainly capable of doing that. It's just he's had a tough go at it with these injuries. So 
Nice to see he's back, but I can understand why he's not won just yet. I mean, first of all, Minka Fitzpatrick is still playing football at the same time. But also, Derwin James, he's capable of being the number one overall safety in a given year in the NFL. Well, he's kind of been like that sauce gardener for the safety position. Like, the second he came into the league, he was right. the best safety in football. You knew Had how good he was. phenomenal right? rookie season, played every game. Then played five games the next year, missed his entire third mm-hmm. season. There then he is. played 15 and 14 the past couple of years. Not a full season either one, but for Derwin James' sake, that's, that's a lot. The Chargers that's a lot are going to take that for right. sure. So he has been cut from kind of that cloth that, oh, the second he steps on the field, he's one of the best safeties in football. And if it weren't for injuries, I think you'd probably be seeing him maybe not there yet because he's only played for about five or six years, but. He'd be on that trajectory of like an Ed Reed, Troy Polamalu, Brian Dawkins type of safety. Definitely. That's what he was out of college, and that's what he is on the field when he's healthy. Um, But much like T.J. Watt in Pittsburgh, the biggest problem with Derwin James in L.A. is that health. And Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think that's what keeps him out of being number one right now on this list. But I think it's also just like how we said with T.J., you know, oh, T.J.'s third, T.J.'s fourth on some of these lists. How, how mad does that make you? But also you have to respect that he gets that respect despite missing half of a season last year. Same thing goes with Derwin James. I know he played most of last year, but for a guy who's so injury-prone to still be considered number two on this list, it just tells you the talent is unbelievable. Absolutely. And again, it's it's not only that he's playing with these injuries, but he's also playing at the same time as Megan Fitzpatrick. So as long as Megan Fitzpatrick is around, you know, I don't think anyone would have any trouble saying Derwin James and Minka are, are the top two safeties in the league right now. But given Minka's ability to stay healthy, Tom, and, you know, knock on wood that that continues, but you can't argue Minka, who, since he's also come into the league in 2018 and has played almost every game of his career since that time, you can't argue that you wanted to take him over Derwin James because Derwin James, as you said, played five games mm-hmm. one season, one played five games in one season, missed an entire second season of his career, hasn't really played in an entire full season of football, like you said, misses two to three games each of the last two years, whereas Minka is just on the field every single play of every single game. Yeah, Minka's missed like what one, two games. I don't even, like. I can't even. They're so rare. I don't even know how few there are. He missed to two count. last year. He missed one in 2021. Played every single game in 2020, 2019, and 2018. He played in every single game as well. So he has missed a total of three games in his NFL career. There Minka you go, Fitzpatrick. Uh, Derwin James missed a total of three games just the other year, two years ago. So obviously, health has a lot to do with this. Last year's number one was Justin Simmons in this Jeremy Fowler ranking. Um, losing his grip on that, as Fowler says, but he, he's still, he's still up an there. elite all-pro caliber top safety. Five, right? Or is he top he's three? He's number three. There you go. So he went from go. one to three. Right. Minka moves up from two to number one. But, I mean, those are your big three, really. I, I don't have any gripe with those top three right. in the safety position. I think those are the three best safeties in football, whichever way you want to slice it. 
Uh, Buda Baker coming in at number four mm-hmm. is just interesting to me because this is somebody he wants talk- out. This is somebody we talked about yesterday when we were going over our draft of NFC teams. We had the Cardinals last. That's a guy be- who's a he's he's twenty seven years old. Mm-hmm. Like he, a contender can, needs him. He can see the tea leaves. He knows he he should not be in Arizona for any longer than he needs to be. No, he's the next Minka as far mm-hmm. as the market is concerned. Not as young as Minka was when the Dolphins put him on the market, obviously, mm-hmm. but. There, you don't find really guys like him available for trade too often. Mm-hmm. You have to wait for them to get to free agency to grab a player like that. So, any team that has safety help, any team that thinks that they are right on the doorstep and just needs a little bit of extra oomph in that secondary, um, I would imagine they're going to throw second, third round picks at Arizona, try mm-hmm. to pry Buda Baker away from there. I don't know if it takes a first round pick. Maybe it does since he's only 27 years old. I think it does old, at this point, yeah. But either way, and if you're the Cardinals too, you want to just keep stockpiling right. those picks. So I'm sure they would. The Cardinals wanna, are probably want a first. They'll round probably pick. get a little greedy with it. Yeah. Um, but at the most, or at the least, you're probably going to give away a second, couple mid round picks too. So I'm excited that like that's kind of the the hidden sleeper as far as the the trade slash free agency market is. We mm-hmm. know about Cook. We know about Hopkins, and we'll talk about these you know free agents still out there later today. But you know, Buda Baker's just lurking out there and. All it takes is that right GM to call with the right offer, and I think the Card- right. I think the Cardinals will ship him. I out. mean, you saw how many moves they made. The Cardinals did on draft day. They're not they're not averse to making a big splash. I mean, they outright released DeAndre Hopkins. Right. Like so, they just moved on from one talented player without getting any assets back. I feel like they're gonna definitely look for assets out of Budapest. Yeah. They're not only looking to be buyers or sellers. I think they're interested in, in bringing in assets any way they can. And if that involves losing one asset to gain future assets, I don't think that they would turn that deal down. I don't think so either. Um, so make a number one as far as your safeties are yeah, concerned. Yeah, and again, Tom, this is somebody who you and I marvel at, watching him play football. It's truly something that you think is a rare talent. This is a... I mean, we talk about T.J. Watt being a once-in-a-generation kind of player at his position. I think because they're playing on the same team, Minka Fitzpatrick almost gets lost in the shadow of T.J. Watt. If you remember during the game, the season opener against uh, Cincinnati, we were debating before T.J. Watt's injury, who was going to win Defensive Player of the Year between T.J. and Minka because they both just had arguably the best game of each of their careers. Arguably, yes. I mean, they were both. We, we were saying with TJ with his sacks, with that with that incredible jump interception at the line of scrimmage, and then Minka had his pick six. Then he had the block kick to save the game. They were both having legendary games. They, they were, were having career defining games, or I guess their careers have already been defined as incredible, right? Hall of Fame worthy. I mean, they're they're maybe the top tandem in football defensively that as far as like a, a Kareem and magic kind of thing, you know, like right. one, two punch. Right. But does it sometimes seem to you that the play of Mika Fitzpatrick gets overshadowed just because like you say, the, the, the sexiest stat in, in, in football on the defensive side is a sack. I also think that safeties in general just kind of get overshadowed. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, obviously you've got your reads and your Palomalos and those guys will live on forever. But like, What's the one thing that they say about those two guys? Like, they transcended the position. Right. They weren't just your typical safety. Like, Ed Reed was probably, forget probably, I, I know you hate to hear this, Pittsburgh, but Ed Reed was the best <laughs> ball, ball hawk in the history of the NFL. 
Troy Polamalu was literally the Tasmanian devil. You didn't know where he was. He was a linebacker. He was a defensive tackle. Right. He was a cornerback. He was a safety. Like those two guys just had those, you know, extra factors about them that put them above the rest of safeties in football and the rest of safeties in history. It's just, I think, not a very sexy position to begin with, to be honest with you. Right. Unless you are one of those Paul who can those transcend Minkas, those Derwin James's right. for the modern flair. Where you, you don't know if they're more dangerous when they're moving or when they're stationary. Yes, exactly. So I think that's kind of why you see maybe Minka as more, I don't want to say put on the back burner, but he's the second person that you think of with that Steelers defense because right. edge rush is sexy, baby. You get those sacks. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody's looking for. Um, and TJ Watt is the best at that. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, it's really good, Creighton, you know, watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Off-ball linebacker. No Steeler made it into the off-ball linebacker top 10. Do you 10. Just question let, that at oh, all? Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> but just to let you know, Fred Warner was number one. And Makes I don't a lot have of any argument against that. I think Fred Warner is one of the top five defensive players in all of football. And you watch him play, and it makes you – you can't do this because revisionist history, but the Steelers took James Washington like five picks before mm. Fred Warner went. Mm. And, again, no one knew – it was in the third round, so other teams didn't know Fred and Warner was going to be this either. Let's not get it twisted either. But, like, man, you see him play, and it's right. exactly what the doctor ordered When the Steelers. the Steelers did draft James Washington, everyone thought, wow, this could be great a, a great steal for and the I Steelers. And I promise you no one was saying when the Niners took Fred Warner a couple picks later, oh, man, that's going to be the best linebacker right. in football. And, in oh, how could the Steelers not be – Oh, man. Now the foresight to see that the Niners were going to take this guy He's five picks like later. He's going to be, all pro every year of right. his career. Um what makes Fred Warner so great, though, is his speed and his ability to cover. I mean, I, I, I don't want to keep calling on the same example, but I remember in the playoffs last year, he had a play that looked like Paul Amalu. He was at the line of scrimmage. Oh, my gosh. I know exactly what you're talking about. all right? the way back into was the secondary. Was it in the NFC Championship It might have been against the Eagles. It might have been a week against, prior to that. Um, against the Cowboys? But he flew yeah. down the middle of the field, caught up to the receiver, and made a, a pass defense on it, tipped the ball away. I like, want to say it could have been even like Seattle was on DK Metcalf, a, a player of speed. You just him. don't yeah. see that from no, linebackers. That's what incredible. makes him the best in the right. NFL. But no Steelers making that list. Maybe next year uh, someone will pop their <laughs> who, who do you like, Cole Holcomb or, uh, or uh, 
Who else? I don't, any any of the, any of the linebackers? Mark Mark I'll take, Robinson. I'll take the field. Somebody yeah, okay. maybe somebody else. Maybe a rookie draft pick. All right, edge rusher. Steeler checking in at number four. Here is Mr. T.J. Watt. He was number one last year. I don't know how you couldn't be number one last year. He had tied Michael Strahan's right. sack record. Of course. Injuries really has to be the only thing that's keeping him this low. The players that he's behind, number three, Micah Parsons. Number two, Miles Garrett. Everybody loves Miles Garrett. Of course. And number one, Nick Bosa. I don't hate Nick Bosa at number one because he's the reigning depoy. Right. I mean, yeah. he had as much of an impact. Well, not as much of because he didn't set a record, but he was an impact player like TJ was two years prior mm-hmm. last year for that Niners defense. So I got no problem with Nick Bosa right now being one. But I always keep going back to Miles Garrett hasn't finished higher than fourth in defensive player of the year voting mm-hmm. in his entire career. And you've got TJ getting a runner up, getting a third place finish, and then finally winning it. And then you got guys like Nick Bosa now who have won it. Like there are men in this league, players in this league who are passing Miles Garrett as far as individual statistics are concerned, individual honors are concerned. And Bosa's ranked in front of him in this ranking, but you see him ranked in front of TJ Watt. And a lot of them as well. And people continue to, I think, just grab onto the phenom of Miles Garrett. You know, 1-1 in the draft, slam dunk pick for the Browns, savior of the Browns franchise. I mean, they wanted him to be their mean Joe Green. Like, they wanted him to come in and be a a defensive anchor for 15 years that helped them win a couple Mm -hmm. of championships. And play-wise, I think he is that good. But... You have to be more than just a great player to be that kind of a figure. Right. Like, mean Joe Green was more than just, I mean, he's the best defensive tackle in football. Right. But he was more than that, too. He was a larger no, than course. life figure. I of think course. the most modern example you have of that right now is what's going on in Cincinnati. Like, yeah. There have been quarterbacks that have come in that have been as great as Joe Burrow, for sure, that have had that kind of talent. But it's just something about him that makes him larger reset, than life. His impact on that team right now is is unmatched in that city no question and they have gone in just three short years from the bungles to they're right there with kansas city they're right there with oh i don't think there's anybody in the league that doesn't fear i mean it's hard to to compare anybody right now to the chiefs just because of how much success they've had over the last four or five years and mahomes i mean he just checks every box. So right. like he's the same as a. Burn. So I like, was gonna say, there's nobody in this league who doesn't fear the Bengals any less than the Chiefs, and that's a little unfair, just because I think the Chiefs are at an astronomically high level. But, yeah, I mean, you'd rather play the Bengals for sure, but but there's no other team that is in the league, I think, right now that is feared other than the Chiefs more than the Bengals in the AFC. Yeah, yeah, for sure, because I think the Eagles strike some fear yeah. into people's hearts. Yeah. And, the Niners do too, but again, you get that little. You, know, you, you look always, at that quarterback, and every you feel better. team, every contending team out there can look at the Niners and say, "Yeah, they're really good." But but we could probably beat we get them. Get a couple interceptions off yeah. of this bum. We could probably beat them. So Miles Garrett hasn't been able to do that yet for Cleveland, though. Like, no, back not to at all. Point, like, he no, has, not at all. He is the face of the franchise for sure. He's been there. He's been an All Pro caliber player, right? But no defensive he's, player of the year, and he has one playoff win under his belt for that franchise. He's been there since pr- before Baker Mayfield. Now, granted, T.J. Watt has no playoff wins yet for his franchise. You're absolutely but, right. But this is why I'm so good at this. I, 
cover my ass there with the individual accolades that TJ Watt uh, has earned. He's over got Miles a knee point. Garrett. Yeah, exactly. And he so, finishes ahead of Miles Garrett every year in that in that race. Hundred percent. So if Garrett wanted to kind of you know close the gap there. I would need to see more playoff success from him. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he doesn't have the individual stuff, but man, he had like four sacks in a playoff game, and they were in the mm-hmm. AFC Championship game the past couple of years. Like, he has not transformed that organization to that point yet. In fact, all that's really happened for Cleveland is ever since they've, you know, been crowned these darlings since the Garrett and the Mayfield drafts, and they go out and they get Odell Beckham Jr., Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they've gone from the bottom of the barrel, supposed right. to be towards the top of the league. But they've really just kind of settled in the middle, the seven and tens, the eight and nine mm-hmm. range. Yeah, which I mean, is hilarious just, to me. I mean, because don't get me wrong. Not, not only that, they're also finishing behind the Steelers. A hundred percent. Every time. Every time. And every year for the past four years, it seems that everybody Browns could win the division, or Browns will finish in front of the Steelers, and it just never has happened. Even when the Browns no. beat the Steelers in that playoff game, the Steelers right. won the division. And what I was trying game. to say earlier, too, is that he's been there for a long time now. He's been there for as long as T.J. Watt has. They were in the same draft class. Granted, T.J. was, what, the 30th overall pick, and Miles was the first overall pick. So Miles had a little more pedigree or a little higher of a, of a bar for his expectations set for him coming in as a rookie. And they've both been great, right? I don't think there's anybody that would argue that they're not two of the best pass rushers in the NFL in that entire span. Not just right now, but since they both came into the league. The only thing, though, Tom, is that, is like you say, is that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is so, so, so feared. And the face to that defense is T.J. Watt. But you look at Cleveland, yeah, they had that one playoff win against the Steelers, but you don't look at this at the Browns team or as the Browns defense as oh my gosh we're gonna have to face this defense and oh my gosh we're gonna have to face up against Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett to me does not have that same intimidation <laughs> factor as T.J. Watt does. That explain that same explosion factor because let's just let's face facts. Miles Garrett is not nearly as versatile as T.J. Watt is. You look at passes defended, interceptions made. TJ Watt is doing those like it's his job, as if that's his his number one asset for the Steelers, whereas it's his number two, and he's doing it just as well and just as effectively as his pass rushing ability. Meanwhile, Myers Garrett, all, uh, not not to shame him because that's what a, uh, that's what an edge rusher is meant to do is to 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 rush the passer, but he is in no way as versatile or as as valuable to his team because of all the elements that T.J. Watt brings for the Steelers' defense. Looking at the defensive tackle position, a familiar face at the very top of Fowler's list, Aaron Donald, reigns supreme again. I honestly think if you put Chris Jones there this year, though, no one would have an issue. This would be the year where you'd have the least amount of pushback. Yeah. If you did that, if if you made anybody that number one guy outside of Aaron Donald in the past 10 years before last year, I'm laughing you out of the building He's Lawrence Taylor-esque. He's Mean Joe Green-esque. He's yeah. Mount Rushmore of defensive players of Absolutely. all time-esque. But last year wasn't the best year for him. No. It wasn't the best year for the Rams in general. But it was also the best year for <laughs> exactly. Chris Jones. Exactly. Chris Jones yeah. was a monster last year. Without a doubt, the best player on that Chiefs defense. And I know the Chiefs are an offensive first football team, and they win the Super Bowl based on their offense. But when the defense needs to make a play, who's the guy making the play most of the time? It's Chris Jones. So... I would maybe put Chris Jones at number one here. 
I don't think that's that far-fetched. But the stealer on this list is Mr. Cam Hayward, as you could imagine. He checks in at number nine. Maybe a little bit low for Cam. Last year, he was number five. Um, highest someone had him ranked in this poll was number three. The lowest someone had him ranked out of the top ten. Yeah, ranked. I just don't know how you do that. I there's just don't a, know how you do that. There's a little, you know, momentum for is Cam Hayward kind of starting to slip off without any actual basis in reality to it. It's just wild speculation that he's going to have a a slower year this coming year because he turns 34. Um, guys in front of him, Darren Payne, I mean, he's 26 years old, so I, I guess he's got the youth factor for him, but he hasn't done anywhere near what TJ has done in the NFL. Uh, DeForest Bunkner is number seven from the Colts. Dexter Lawrence out of New York is number uh, six. So a lot of youth really in front of him. Our, our good buddy Javon Hargrave checks in at number yeah. five. What uh, was his lowest ranking? The lowest that someone had Hargrave was unranked. See, um, I don't like that either. Last year he was an honorable mention on this list, though, so he's a riser. For sure, for sure. but I don't think he's right now even questionably outside of the top ten. I agree with the top four, though. And I think I agree with the order, except for Chris Jones maybe being number one. Behind AD. Yeah, but it, Quinn Williams so it is goes, number four. Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Jeffrey Simmons number th- is number, number three, three, and then Chris Jones and then Aaron Donald. I think those are your top four defensive tackles okay. in the league. And I'll tell you this. I think when AD hangs it up, when Chris Jones is done, because he's also getting to be 30 years old, Quinny Williams has next. I, I think he's Ooh. going to be the next okay, D-tackle cool. in the NFL. My th- can we just jump back to Javon Hargrave real quick? How does the consensus have him at number five, and there's somebody out there who has him outside of the top ten? Like if you're being and I think regular, he is number regular, five, right? Like, regularly placed within the top five, or someone had, someone him, had him as, as a number top four, four, yeah. How does someone leave him out of the top 10? I don't know, man. I mean, that's the thing with, first of all, with this kind of position, there's so many people you can call on. And then, you know, scouts aren't always, you know, rocket scientists. Like, they swing and miss a lot. So, like, mm-hmm. maybe a scout just doesn't think Javon Hargraves is as good as everybody does. Mm-hmm. He's wrong. But, I mean, there's a reason why there's busts in draft classes. Like, right. Because scouts get it wrong. So. I just think that Hargrave is probably appropriately rated at number five. I don't think you're upset that he's not in front of the four guys in front of him. I just think you're wondering, how is somebody like this unranked? And even for Hayward to be down at number nine, it's a bit of a head-scratcher to see him be unranked because Donald and, and Hayward, and again, I don't want you know just this to be kind of a career achievement award to get on this list, but mm-hmm. with his stats improving last year, definitely not falling off at all, he and Donald are like the flag bearers for the position, like the two veteran guys. Right, absolutely. That, you know, have been, and I'd maybe throw Fletcher Cox into that category as well. It's like, these guys have been here forever, mm-hmm. and you young players like Quinn and Williams need to take the torch from us. So I get that there's not really veteran respect in a poll like this, but when you look at the numbers that Cam had and then kind of sprinkle on that little veteran respect too, right. I don't see how he could be outside of the top five. No, I don't, I don't. I don't either. Tom. Maybe maybe if you want to put Hargrave five and then Cam at six, I'm Especially okay with that. Especially, too, but... when you see Aaron Donald and Chris Jones as high as they are on this list. Like you mentioned, too, maybe Cam not— Cam a better year than Donald last maybe, year. Maybe, yeah, maybe not Aaron Donald's best year of his career. So why is why is Cam Hayward all the way down at number nine and AD's still at number one? Like that the, seems the name, like they're calling on veteran the respect name, there. The name Donald is clearly so much more respected— 
than Hayward is for this list. I agree with I'm that. Not blaming, I'm not blaming Jeremy Fowler individually, but it's just so emblematic of league-wide the attention that Aaron Donald gets compared to Cam Hayward. Cornerbacks, no Steeler made it onto the cornerback list, but number one was Pat Sertan. I think Sauce Gardner is the number one. Yeah, Sauce was number two. I, I think Sauce Gardner is the best cornerback in, in football. But again, to your lowest ranking thing, someone had him as low as six. That's as as crazy. That's that's so that so you know we were talking about put a little veteran respect on there for for names like Cam Hayward. So this guy clearly is doing the same thing, but disrespecting the younger guys by saying I can't put someone a rookie, even though that rookie made the first team All Pro at his position. Even though Pat Sertan is twenty three years old, though. I mean, also that's, too, he's, yeah, he's a baby as well. There's so many good corners in the NFL. Like Sertan and Gardner are. Studs, no question. I'm, I'm not trying to discredit Sertan at all. He's he's deserving, I think, of top two. Mm-hmm. I just think Sauce is that next level guy, man. And mm-hmm. by the way, I know this doesn't really matter when lists are made like this, but he's playing in New York, so he's going to get the he's spot. Got he's a got lot the of spotlight. Attention, right? He's uh, Denver isn't a dumpster franchise, but you got Wilson and Peyton. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of noise you got to cut through there. Obviously, you've got Rogers in New York to cut through as well, but. You see that personality out of Sauce Gardner wearing the cheese head out of Lambeau Field last year. Like, New York's going to love him. The media is going to gravitate towards him. Uh, He will be a superstar, and it's not just playing the field that makes you a superstar. You have to have the charisma and the -the off-the-field brand, too. I I think he's got it all. Like, put it this way. Mm -hmm. Pat Sertan, I don't know if I've ever heard the guy talk. Yeah, I don't know. Sauce if I, Gardner if one, is oh, all over the all, place. Obviously. He's on that Sports Illustrated licking his fingers. With he's the a, sauce he's on at it. he's at Knicks games courtside with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So, you know, Pat Sertan might be a better corner than Gardner when it's all said and done. I just think Gardner is is a bigger star. Before we get onto the tight ends, real quick to to mention big old Pat Fryermuth making the list. It's still amazing to me that the number three corner, Jalen Ramsey, uh-huh. this dude's a grandpa, right? This yeah. dude's been around forever. This dude's like thirty eight years old. He's 28 years old. It's, cr- like, it's He's just been around for so long. It, it just proves how early on in his career he came into the league. And if he can get another boost, you know, maybe another four or five years into his mid-30s where he's still top five, I think he's a Hall of Famer already, but he would solidify that. And then he starts to creep his way towards, you know, the Revises of the world and the Mel Blunts of the world as far as what's his legacy all time? Because, like you said, he's been pretty much at the top of the game since he was 21 if he can get some longevity to that career and you know go down to miami or maybe become a bit of a a gun for hire for contending teams in his latter half of his career and get to like 33 34 as an elite corner uh, he's one of the best of all time in the league 28 years old yeah and he's still he's accomplished enough i think he's accomplished enough to go to the hall of fame now now he's got a chance on another Super Bowl caliber team with the Miami Dolphins. If he can go to Miami and Tua can stay healthy, if he wins a Super Bowl in Miami too, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's part of it's. It's kind of like Von Miller esque, right? When Von Miller uh, was in Denver and he was obviously a huge part of that defense, goes to LA same same time as Jalen Ramsey was there, helps that defense out. If Jalen Ramsey can pull a Von Miller. And just kind of hop around good defense to good defense and elevate those defenses to become great and Super Bowl caliber winning defenses, then you gotta be talking about Hall of Fame resumes. I think we already are. No, I think he's a Hall of Famer as well. I mean, I know this doesn't really matter because it's a team achievement, but it does matter. Who are we kidding? That ring he got with LA is gonna put him over the top as well. 
Offenses are coming for Jeremy Fowler when it comes to this list. He did do tight ends. Just slip that in there real quick. We're going to save that for when we do the offenses? I'll tell you where Fat Fryer Okay. Is. You said Fat Fryer How dare you? <laughs> Pat Fryer is Ruth. number nine on this list. And I'll say this. The only guy in front of him, of eight guys in front of him, that I kind of have a big question mark next to is Kyle Pitts out of Atlanta. I don't know how, 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 how. Because how? he was pegged as the best tight end to ever, ever come out of the draft. Highest right? drafted tight end. Yeah. No. I think it was since, like, Mike Ditka or something like that. I think you're right, yeah. So everybody was ready to, oh, Tony Gonzalez 2.0 is coming to Atlanta. They got Kyle Pitts with the number four overall pick. And I think a lot of people are kind of saying, well, it's Atlanta's fault. The Falcons just don't have the offense for Kyle Pitts because this is what pundits do a lot mm-hmm. when they're so over the top with their predictions. Oh, he'll be the next great tight end. He's a top five pick, and he was. They defend those pay- those takes Till the death, honestly. So Pitts is going to get the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. a lot more than some other players would. But there's no question that Frymuth's been a better player than him. And in fact, the guy in front of Frymuth, Evan Ingram, has been way better than Kyle Pitts, especially it's last, not even especially close. last year. He was Jacksonville's bread and butter on right. that offense. It's not even close. I mean, Kyle Pitts. People in Atlanta have to start worrying about. Hundred percent, dude. He was supposed to be like their next Julio, even though he's a tight end. Like this dude was supposed to be a thousand yard receiver and ten plus touchdowns already. And they people, oh well, he's rookie. No, the prediction was that he would do that as a rookie. Like people were thinking that Matt Ryan was just gonna feed him all day, every day, two years now, and we have not seen Kyle Pitts even remotely look like an elite tight end. So something that is kind of was lost on me, Kyle Pitts apparently had the second most receiving yards. Uh, by a rookie in a single in their rookie season in NFL history, do you know how many yards that was? A thousand and twenty six yards. Name me something quieter than Kyle Pitts' rookie season having a thousand and twenty six yards. That's tight ends too, right? Yeah, I was gonna say like receivers have blown past. No, 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 no. Second most receiving yards by a rookie tight end in NFL history. But doesn't that make you scratch like, your head more because of how quiet he still is? Like he that's had what I'm that saying. Like, I don't remember hearing cares. about that. No one cared because Atlanta sucked. Right. And yeah, and now last year he was out for what half the season, more than half. Those the season? Those a thousand yards did nothing to help. No, the team. exactly, it had no impact. That's why I said name me a quieter one thousand season than Kyle Pitts's rookie year. So that's really the only grief I have with the tight end list. Yeah, I'm cool uh, with that. Out of these, you know, but Pat GMs Pete was or Pat Pete, Pat Fryermuth was unranked last year. So he is moving on. Now up. he's moving on up, and, and he, there's guy like Ingram. I think is good, but Ingram and Pitts and TJ Hawkinson. I mean, there's guys Hawk. in front of him that are. I are, mean, Darren Waller's shaky too. Because of yeah, you don't know injury. What he's look like, but there are guys that are for the taking as far as Pat absolutely is, is yeah. concerned this year. If you want to listen to the Steelers Standard, you can anywhere you want any of our SNR programs. You just say, "Hey Alexa, play SNR for my heart," and Alexa is going to take care of the rest. Are you excited for this next thing that they're going to do? This is very cliche I am. radio. Is we it are going to ranking? power rank oh, of course. the <laughs> strength of opponents on the Steelers' schedule. It doesn't get much more mid-July than that, baby. I like, mean, I mean, every episode is as mid-July as, mid-July as, it, gets as it gets. We'll do that next. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Offerman, and this is the Steelers' Standard. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. 
Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 